Hey, it's Jordan. Uh, happy to be joined by Joan, um, Philippines activist, and uh, wanted to have you on. There's a lot going on, obviously, in the news about Bolivia. Philippines uh, has some similar things uh, going on that have been going on for many years. Uh, actually, Bernie Sanders just tweeted about it the other day. Um, so wanted to uh, ask you to start. You're an activist. You've been uh, kind of in America as best as you can, uh, fighting for the Filipino people against brutal dictator, uh, Pre President uh, Duterte. Uh, for people that don't know anything about what's going on there, can you kind of describe uh, what is Duterte doing and um, what are the means he's carrying out uh, extrajudicial killings uh, of tens of thousands in the Philippines? Sure, um, I'd love to. So yeah, I'm, I'm Jong. Um, I'm an activist and organizer with an organization of Filipino migrant workers called Migrante. And I also help coordinate for Bayan USA, which is like the overseas chapter of Bagong Aliansang Makabayan or the New Patriotic Alliance. So this is like a network, uh, an umbrella organization of um, all of these organizations that's fighting for like our shared vision of the Philippines and also kind of share an analysis of what's going on. So um, we believe the Philippines to be a semi-colonial and semi-feudal society and that uh, Duterte, in his kind of populist rise to power, uh, really rode on the coattails of this kind of sentiment of, um, you know, genuine change. He had a platform of being against the oligarchs and trying to kind of disrupt the hegemony of the U.S. and all these foreign powers that have kind of kept the country back. Um, and like my personal take is that really is what kind of propelled his uh, campaign. They really like, you know, rode on the coattails of people's really uh, frustrations against kind of the, the old rich and the old system. Um, he proclaimed himself as being like anti-oligarchs and uh, really pushing against kind of like foreign monopoly and foreign hegemony of the country that's kept it back. Um, and kind of top on the list of his campaign promises was this so-called war on drugs, which, you know, um, we in Bayan have seen to be very much closely patterned to what we have here in the U.S. of, um, you know, just this really ruthless uh, search and destroy and identification of, um, you know, drug users and suspected sellers or what we call pushers. And um, he's taken and the thing with Duterte is he's kind of justified and you know, created the conditions to really embolden the police and the military to take it a step further and actually um, commit these, you know, extrajudicial killings without the benefit of due process. Um, as long as you've been identified or even just suspected of uh, drug use or especially the selling, um, there have been like wholesale murders in broad daylight, um, especially, and we're seeing a pattern, especially in urban poor communities. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, from everything I've researched, is essentially seeming to put out propaganda that these killings are all of, you know, drug traffickers and, you know, calling for the death, panel, death penalty uh, for people who drug traffic and all those things. But obviously, uh, being that there's no due process, the majority of the people he's killing are not <laughs> uh, drug trafficking or, or those kinds of things. Yeah, I want to say um, 
you know, as of the last quarter, the number was already in the 30,000s, um, although, of course, the official count is much lower. And uh, we in Bayan and uh, our close ally called the Malaya Movement, um, you know, we believe this to be essentially a war on the poor, uh, because as I've mentioned, the trend of these uh, vigilante-style, extrajudicial, no-due-process kind of killings um, is happening really mostly in urban poor communities and kind of targeting, um, you know, these small-scale sellers, not that I'm condoning them, but really leaving out the big fish um, mm. and kind of like failing to recognize not only where the drugs are coming from, but even uh, kind of the social roots of why people have turned to drugs. Mm -hmm. And the economic system there, you mentioned the basically foreign influence holding back the Philippines uh, for decades. Um, he ran against that. What has he done economically? Kind of sounds a little bit like Trump, you know, pretending to be this populist everyman, uh, fighting against Goldman Sachs and the oligarchs and these kinds of things. And then he comes in and litters his whole cabinet with bankers and Wall Street people. Um, is is uh, President Duterte doing anything uh, that would help the poor, uh, help the workers there? So yeah, just to kind of build off of what you said, the resemblance, you know, is really strikingly similar um, between Trump and Duterte and the fact that, you know, they've uh, written on these populist platforms only to kind of renege on all of that when they got into power. Um, and in the case of Duterte, if you look at his cabinet now, the, the vast majority are actually military men and generals, um, you know, that we are seeing as kind of his way to placate the military and keep them on his side so that they don't stage a coup. Mm. Um, but in terms of policy, so one of his other campaign promises was to end a system of contractualization in the Philippines, which in a nutshell is basically keeping people underemployed or in a state of constant like job insecurity so that they would find some kind of employment for a few months. But right under the time where they would gain tenure and um, job security and benefits, they would be let go and have to find another job. So mm. Duterte, you know, in short, like really promised um, all of these labor unions that we are going to end this practice. And uh, to this day, you know, we're seeing even more violent dispersals of strikes and no sort of uh, progress in that regard. And then also um, his foreign policy, you know, he touted an independent, so-called independent foreign policy. Um, but, you know, we're seeing that it's still very much tied to like the neoliberal interests of you know, the, the global north, these big global powers, most especially we see him kind of like kowtowing to China, to Russia, and of course, still to the U.S. Um, and I say that especially given, you know, the colonial ties that the U.S. had in the country. Mm -hmm. And with China, there's been a lot of contention. Seems like he has let uh, Chinese ships into uh, the South China Sea, which is obviously, uh, uh, you know, a contested area. Can you kind of talk more about um, what he's been doing as far as, it seems, um, catering to China. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we actually call it the West Philippine Sea because it, oh. it is very much a contested area, but that's fine. Um, it's, the, but, it's, the, it's the white American in me. I didn't know. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, 
But so like that area with the Scarborough Shore and the Spratly Islands is very rich in oil. And it's actually um, one of the richest like coral deposits also in the world. And it's if you look at the location, it's a very vital uh, trade route, um, which is, you know, really understandable as to why China would really want that. Um, but there was a resolution from the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea in 2016 that actually declared it in favor of the Philippines um, and Vietnam and other neighboring countries that it's not China's territory um, and that if it's under a nation's sovereign territory, um, you know, they have exclusive rights to fishing and all that stuff. Um, but what the trend has been happening recently is that Duterte has been kind of passively allowing these ships to uh, conduct fishing operations. And there's even, I think, a man-made island right now in the West Philippine Sea that is Chinese property. Um, and there was a, a couple months ago, right around the time of a State of the, a state of the Nation address, uh, there was a... Um, a fishing boat, a Filipino fishing boat that was pretty much attacked by a Chinese the kind of uh, naval warship. And um, Duterte pretty much was silent on the issue. Mm -hmm. And there's been issues with du uh, Duterte and women. I know that there's been criticisms of him for sexism and macho uh, leadership. I don't know if I'm getting that right. Um, can you kind of talk about uh, him and uh, Filipino women? Yeah, um, he has consistently made, you know, very sexist remarks in his speeches. Um, you know, he's talked poorly of the vice president, Lenny Robredo, um, because she was recently appointed as this drug czar that they're uh, kind of, they're, okay, the drug war isn't working out, so we're going to put you in charge, kind of like a catch-22. And then um, him and one of his handpicked senators, who used to be police chief, said, um, you know, you can't cry and you can't sit pretty while you're in position. So kind of very, very, you know, just sexist remarks. Um, he's also said things such as uh, for women activists, like in one of our member organizations called Gabriela, um, he's accused them of being members of the guerrilla group, uh, the New People's Army, and said that, you know, if captured, um, he will, quote unquote, like shoot them in the genitals or he'll allow the armies to, to shoot them in the genitals. Jesus. So, of course, everything you've described about this man, the United States is funding uh, him in the Philippines. Uh, I'm not against the U.S. giving money to the Philippines, but how can the United States, you know, we scream about Russia's uh, tyranny and, you know, Vladimir Putin is a madman and a brutal dictator. Uh, we scream about Mohammed bin Salman uh, butchering a journalist, but we're just dandy with this maniac. Uh, I'm calling him a maniac. Um, you know, in a murdering spree of tens of thousands of people. Um, and I mean, obviously it's President Trump, but I don't hear anything from the Democratic Party about this either. Uh, what is the United States role here? Why are we um, basically funding uh, Duarte's madness? And uh, have you, you and your uh, organization um, gotten any feedback from any politicians here about this? Sure. Um, I think I can speak on that. So, just to give a little bit of context um, to kind of show concretely what the U.S., you know, our tax dollars are funding. Um, 
there has been like recent promulgations like Memorandum Order 32, which basically places three uh, large regions of the Philippines under a de facto martial law. It's called state of emergency, but, you know, we know what that means. Um, and then there's what's called Executive Order 70, which is called um, Operational Plan Stability. So what this does is it kind of empowers all the local government units to conduct its own kind of McCarthyist you know, witch hunt of anything remotely leftist and, you know, tag them as communists, tag them as terrorists. And we're seeing um, a rise in the intensity of attacks on our organizations, um, Bayan and its member and ally organizations. Um, in the past 15 days alone, there have been more than 100 arrests, um, missing missing activists or even uh, killed activists, paralegals, um, lawyers, and union unionists, you know, and any any shade of left that you're in, you know, you're you're in danger. Um, so it, we're really calling this an all-out war and all-out crackdown on you know any any progressive strand in the Philippines. And um, I think the U.S. role in this is that a lot of what these leftists and um, you know buy-in member orgs and our allies fight for are you know, direct in direct opposition to the interests of the U.S. in the region. Um, and that's why we see that in the past year alone, um, and this is a figure, it, there have been 193 and a half million U.S. dollars, you know, our tax money funding counterinsurgency uh, training and also um, so-called like uh, modernization of the Philippine army and police. And we're seeing that it's being put to use in this violent um, suppression and repression of legal activists. And is the uh, United States interest simply the oil in the region or are there other interests? Um, well, especially in terms of the indigenous people in the Philippines in different areas, um, a lot of them sit on very... Uh, you know, rich deposits of minerals, hydroelectric and geothermal energy, and just the position of the Philippines kind of geopolitically. Um, it's a very strong foothold into the region. And I guess from the U.S. perspective, could be used as a foothold kind of to keep China in check, um, mm -hmm. which is why, you know, we see all this rhetoric um against China, but then, you know, we kind of see mm, there might be some sort of vested interest in there and how the U.S. kinds of drums up that propaganda, but is silent on its crimes, you know, on, on Philippine soil. Um, just it, we recently commemorated the, uh, I believe it was the fifth anniversary of um, a rape murder case of a Filipina trans woman that was um, actually brutally murdered by uh, a U.S. Marine while they were on uh, Liberty um, in the country. And her name is Jennifer Laude. So your act, Filipino activists, uh, your organization, what are like the, the key demands? Also, uh, I believe uh, uh, President Duterte was reelected within the last year or two. Um, so what are the key demands that immediately um, you want viewers watching, uh, US, U.S. citizens and citizens around the world? to be calling for in the Philippines? Um, so yeah, we're calling to, uh, you know, to stop these raids, stop these killings, these attacks against really legitimate grassroots, um, you know, community-based and oriented organizations. Um, and we're calling to defend all of these human rights defenders, uh, you know, whether it be in any kind of form you can. 
Um, we're in touch with the uh, House Subcommittee on the Asia Pacific, and uh, we a couple months ago um, in July around the State of the Nation address in the Philippines, um, we were able to have a special hearing on the region with the Philippines included. Um, but I think more concretely is to uh, really help us in our organizing and lobbying um, to stop the funding of the Philippine National Police and the armed forces of the Philippines that are committing these atrocities, uh, both these um, attacks and raids of suppression, but even the the, the above mentioned uh, drug war um, that's really hurting and killing um, the poorest of the poor in the country. And like I said, that's 193 and a half million of our U.S. tax dollars that could be used to fund stuff here, um, you know, schools, healthcare, roads. And yet it's going to a foreign country and for those kinds of purposes at that. So that's something that, you know, as a U.S. citizen, you might not even know anyone that's Filipino, but we all have a stake in this because, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's our money and it's our future. And um, we're seeing the effects of this U.S. Uh, foreign policy um, on countries like the Philippines. And my last question, broader than the Philippines, it, it seems to me when you look at, I mean, every month or two, there's another coup attempt that tries to topple a, a, a more leftist leader. We just, we're seeing that in Bolivia now, Venezuela, um, other, other countries. It's either the United States uh, basically pulling the levers of power to get rid of leftist leadership and uh, suppress uh, workers uh, fighting back in, in these countries, or the United States pouring in money and, and resources to keep in power right-winging fascists. Um, do you see that this is interconnected, Philippines struggle with Bolivia, Venezuela, and other countries dealing with this right now? Most definitely. Like, if we look at the global system of imperialism, um, you know, I'm going to use that, uh, that the U.S. really benefits and, and supports and is kind of the figurehead of, then it makes sense that, you know, on one end, it's going to do all it can to uh, destabilize and topple leftist leaders, but also poor funding and support, you know, whether that's like moral support or propaganda um, in support of these, you know, right wing and fascist leaders. Um so, yeah, I definitely think that all of this is interconnected at the end of the day in maintaining um, this U.S. Uh, cultural and economic hegemony over the world. And in the Asia Pacific, specifically in the case of the Philippines, especially considering, you know, the long history of um, colonization and being a neo-colony today. Yeah. So, um and on the part of concretely what we can do as, you know, Americans, Filipino Americans, you know, even being here in the U.S., uh, we can join and support organizations that are members of Bayan. Um, just this past week, we had a national week of action to uh, condemn and uh, to condemn these rise of raids and attacks on our uh you know, sister organizations and uh, founding chapters back home in the Philippines. And uh, just remembering that, you know, the U.S. has an active interest in um, suppressing, you know, the rise of the people's movement in the Philippines uh, to maintain the Philippines the way it is. Um, these actions happened across different uh, cities in the U.S., um, New York, L.A., San Francisco, uh, Chicago, and lastly in D.C., um, we were a hundred-strong crowd in front of the Philippine Embassy, and uh, we um, led the action with Communication Workers of America. Um, they had a speaker, 
you know, speak about their experience in the Philippines with a uh, with a call center agency um, union. And one of the organizers is actually one of those that was arrested in this uh, in this earlier part of this month. Um, so a big part of the rally was calling for the immediate release of her and all of these um, political prisoners. You because know, she's a mother of five and their speaker, their treasurer, Stara Steffens, even said, um, you know, I'm here with my daughters to fight for a mother that can't be with hers. Um, you know, she was gracious enough. She's a, uh, She was a mother of five and she she uh, was gracious and helpful and really showing us the conditions on the ground in the Philippines. Great. Uh, definitely, definitely. I want to keep in touch with you uh, as things develop there. And I appreciate you uh, taking the time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jordan. Appreciate it. Salamat. Hope you enjoyed that last video. Hop on over to statuscoup.com where you can sign up for our email list and become a member for as low as five to ten dollars a month. Membership is how we grow. That's statuscoup.com slash join. And remember, join our email list so we can grow the revolution with you.